<laughs> Mitch from Georgia. All right. All right, guys, welcome to episode 48 of the Bearsy podcast. Today, we have my buddy Mitch um, from Georgia, United States, who is a subscriber to my YouTube channel. And we got to talking about Mitch coming on the podcast. And he was kind enough to join me today. Um, so, Mitch, how you doing, bro? Derek, I'm doing well. How about yourself, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. So I'm always interested in talking to the subscribers that I have that reach out to me because I always want to know, and I'm mainly curious, like what was the topic or video that allowed you to discover my channel? Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, for me, I have been trying to think about that the past few days uh, before I came on the podcast. And I mean, I can't really pinpoint a specific one. Uh, probably if I go through your your videos, I'd be able to find it. But I'm sure it had to be about uh, gambling, poker, um, you know, uh, gambling addiction, um, you know, and then your kind of like your testimony and your story and how you turned around from it and where you're at with it now. Um, and then I know the one that you did that was kind of like satirical or, or whatever um, recently about oh the black and white one yeah i really liked it <laughs> i really liked it but by then i had already been a subscriber and you know i'd already uh been been on the channel but i do want to um i know one of the popular sayings now is give people flowers while they can smell them but uh i do want to say I, I really appreciate your content um i like how you're objective um you don't you know you present both sides and you're not really pushing an agenda um and I, I like your, your, your content and, uh, and what you talk about, you know what I mean? And, and self-improvement and all that. Mm, yeah. Thanks, bro. It's always um, interesting because the gambling stuff, I never intended to make content about gambling because it was like this 10 year part of my past where I was kind of embarrassed about it because I'm, I'm pretty much a loser from 18 till 27. Like I have no work experience. I have no education. I have this like gambling problem where I'm going to the casino every single day. And I thought like, why would anyone want to watch a YouTube video about that? But for whatever reason, I just felt compelled to share this one random story from my past. And that video is what sort of performed really well analytically. It started getting a lot of traction on YouTube. And I've just, just by chance stumbled upon this community of people that are struggling with some form of gambling addiction or gambling compulsion. And I've had so many people reach out to me and be like, Hey, you know, I found this video. It was, it really helped me out. Can you, you know, give me some advice or share more of my story. And I found that a lot of people needed help, but some people, it didn't matter what you tell them. It didn't matter how positive or encouraging you are. The words that you give them just goes through one ear and out the other. And so that's why I made that satirical representation of gambling addiction through the black and white footage where I'm like, this is how real it can get. If, if you don't you know, end this like terrible thing that you have at the casinos where you're just addicted to betting money. So that's kind of like why I made that black and white video. Yeah, I really liked it. You know, I, I, I definitely did. Um, I mean, I get it. You said you were a loser from 18 to 27, but I mean, you've overcome that. And really now, turn that into a victory you know what i mean and you know i put myself out there i used to be um an alcoholic um and you know i mean it's just kind of like uh 
I guess maybe it's easier for someone else to see what kind of value that can offer. I mean, especially if you think about you might reach uh, some of the youth or you might reach some people that maybe aren't really f realizing their full potential and give them a wake up call. And, and, you know, sometimes you might tell something to someone and it might be really profound or it might be really simple and it might take a year or however long for them to, to get it, you know, but uh, I would say, uh, you know, truth prevails or you know, kind of, I don't always say that, but I guess I believe that, you know what I mean? So, I think that you just being real and being yourself um, and being authentic, like you were saying before, um, it pays off, you know what I mean? Because the fake, um, that's only cool for a minute, but, you know, being real is, uh, is really what it's about. I do want to shout out another YouTube channel, which um, I do think is very similar to yours. And that's Jay Williams. Let's live life. Um, he was a Jay Williams. Yeah. Jay Williams. Let's live life. He has a few, um, channels now and he's actually in the podcast scene so maybe i can link y'all or maybe you can contact him but um basically he was a convict for for 10 years and um what's it called now he's completely turned his life around and you know it's similar to your channel because he's talking about you know the evils that can happen and you know how to navigate through that and how to really turn away from it too and uh, i just think it's really really positive but i mean you know similar to your story i mean i sorry to use your words i guess but like he was a loser for 10 years or whatever and now he's kind of on top of the mountain so um it's pretty cool stuff mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm really harsh with that description because think about having to enter the workforce like having to enter regular society get a day job when you're 27 years old and you have this nine-year gap with no work experience and you have no college or university education. And so like me having to try to assimilate with normal society was so difficult because I had no building blocks or skills to fall back on. And I think that was one of the things that I wanted to share with people like, hey man, like if you're not, if you're not careful with the choices you make when it comes to gambling, it could, you could easily lose two, three, five, 10 years off of your life. And then you're going to be sitting down your couch one day and wondering like, what the hell did you do? Right. Where did your life go? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I can definitely relate. Um, I've got a bunch of different things I want to say. Uh, I mean, I play um, poker. I started playing probably about a year ago, but I would never, you know, lie to anyone and present uh, like what the movies do where you're just going to win and you're just going to, I mean, Basically, what I've been saying, I've probably said this a hundred plus times to myself and other people, but had I saved 90% to 100% of the money that I went and played poker with over the last year, I would have basically the big jackpot that I've been trying to get just mm. right here in my hand now from saving it. But um, I mean, and then on, on what you're saying about entering the workforce, I mean, I know a few people that you know, that is their, they're basically underground or however you want to call it, professional poker players. And I was talking to one of them, you know, because it does seem appealing, you know, but then you think about it and you're like, damn, like I could be, I could feel trapped at my job. But I mean, I even heard from one of them, he was like, yeah, I mean, I don't have really, you know, work experience and I'm 40 or whatever he is, you know, so he's got that kind of fear in the back of his mind too, you know, but, uh, and I'm sure, I mean, that's, that's almost like you being like a, uh, what you call it? 
uh, I don't want to say anything that sounds like insensitive, but like someone coming to Canada or the United States or wherever for the first time and then just jumping into the you know workforce or, or whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. it's impressive, man. I mean, it really speaks to your self improvement. Um, you know, I I love any any story that is about overcoming adversity and uh, and you know uh, battling your demons and 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 winning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting because it's something that I haven't fully overcome either. Like, it's not like I've destroyed my gambling addiction. Like, no, this is something I live with. Like, I still want to bet on the Like, today, right now, the Lakers are playing the Raptors, right? And I live in Toronto, and I want I want to bet on this game so bad. I look at the money line, look at the spread. I want to go on FanDuel. I want to make a lineup, like... I just have this urge to bet on the game, but it's like, I have to find kind of live with that my entire life. And so even though I, it seems like I have my life figured out, I'm on self-improvement. I've made all this progress in my life, but deep down, I still have those urges. I still want that dopamine rush that gambling gives you. And it's, it's something that, you know, I'm very aware of. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I have these urges but because I'm on self-improvement and I care so much about trying to better my life and remove negative habits and add good ones, you know, I found a way to suppress those urges and I can live my life like a quote unquote normal person and sort of fit in with society. But I tell people all the time, like it, and, and I'm sure you probably understand when it comes to alcohol, right? Like if a bunch of family and friends are, you know, passing around drinks and they offer you one, you probably have those same urges to join in too right well for me it's kind of changed over the years like i used to go to alcoholics anonymous and in my opinion you know i was i got a little brainwashed by alcoholics anonymous i I definitely have my own opinions about that organization and for some people it's great uh parts of it were great Mm. for me um and it it happened at a good time in my life but again I, i i'll just i have my own thoughts about alcoholics anonymous but one thing that i disagree with with them is that one of their teachings is more or less um, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. You can never have a beer again. You can never drink or you're just going to end up in the gutter. I mean, I'm kind of um, whatever the word is, uh, hyperbole or, you know, kind of making it. Do hmm. you, you get what I'm saying? But I mean, at this yeah, point yeah. in my life, you know, you know, early on when I was going to AA and stuff like I would like freak out if i was around alcohol or whatever but at this point in my life i mean i can drink a beer and be okay um some people would argue well you're not really an alcoholic or or whatever but i mean i personally believe that you can recover from stuff um i mean you know i haven't um i think i do deal with a form of gambling addiction i haven't I'm, i'm planning on going to gambling anonymous you know uh or something like that but again i'm not gonna get kind of brainwashed like i was with aa but I mean, I think even if I, um, in my opinion, if I do, you know, overcome the gambling addiction, I personally believe I'll be able to, you know, bet $5 on the Lakers or, or whatever it is. But um, I also don't want to say anything to tempt you um, or go against what you <laughs> go against what you believe, you know what I mean? But I don't know. At this point in my life, man, I, I've, uh, I'm at a different place with alcohol than I was uh, when I was a binge drinker, you know what I mean? So. But I, I definitely used to be like the what you what you thought that I was probably like if people were drinking. I definitely used to be like that. You know what I mean? 
Um, and that was like my identity for a while. Like I'm an alcoholic and all this, like, I mean, but I don't know at this point, bro, I, I, you know, I'm sure I could, I definitely could, it's definitely possible. I could go back to being just a, you know, binge drinker, alcoholic. But at this point, I mean, I rarely drink. I might have a beer. I might have two and that might be it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good, bro. See, what what I believe in is I believe that there's a spectrum. So say on a scale of zero to 10 in forms of like gambling addiction, I don't think it's either you are a gambling addict or not. It's like you're kind of like on a spectrum and someone that's like a 10 out of 10, they probably can never look at a beer or never look at a poker chip or never hear the lights and sounds of a slot machine. Whereas for me, I'm more on the spectrum of like uh, six, maybe, maybe five or six, kind of more in the middle. Like I bet $5 on the Super Bowl this year and I was fine. I, I was able to not take it further and have it escalate, you know, and that's like the type of control that I feel like you can incorporate into your life. And it's not like it's either you're an alcoholic or not. It's kind of like the same thing. I feel like there's like a spectrum there. Like some people are so addicted to it where they, they probably can't even enjoy one beer. Whereas for you, you're probably lower on that spectrum where you can have one beer then you can just stop and, and, and your life is okay. You can call it quits. It doesn't mean you're going to start drinking eight, 10, 12 beers or the whole case. Right. So I, I feel like there's a spectrum there rather than it being black or white or you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. I mean, kind of like with, with autism or, or different things, there's definitely a spectrum. I mean, if you look at, I mean, I personally have an addictive personality, you know what I mean? But if you look yeah, at, me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you look at addicts, I mean, or alcoholics or addicts, you have functioning addicts and you have functioning alcoholics. You have, I mean, back to autism, um, you have high functioning autistic, low functioning autistic. I mean, you've got some addicts that, you know, they become homeless and they're, it might be heroin or, or whatever. I'm not saying like bad words to the algorithm, but then you've got others that they might be on a drug and they're, you know, corporate America uh, CEO or something. You know what I mean? But um, mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah, the, the the spectrum stuff is interesting because I feel like it can be applied to like so many things in life. But unfortunately, the way like society runs, everything has to be polarizing. It's either your Sony or like PlayStation or Xbox or your Android or Apple, your left or right, Republican, Democrat, like everything has to be the extreme. Whereas obviously there is a spectrum for a lot of these things, but unfortunately our, so how our society is run, especially in the West and North America is that it's so hard to like take nuance into consideration. Like with every little subject, it's either you're on my team if you're not, then you're against me. And there's this, there's like this crazy polarization with every single subject. And that's something that it, it really bothers me because then you can't be objective if because then you can't like play both sides of, of an argument, right? Then it's hard to be real and authentic and have like a conversation with people where you can say, okay, what about this? Or what about that? And maybe you want to play devil's advocate about a certain subject and kind of go back and forth. Whereas now everything has to be black or white. There is no gray. And it's, it's really frustrating, especially for me as like a content creator, because I want to have these more nuanced conversations where we can kind of, you know, go back and forth. Like, what about this? Or what about that? And maybe we can find 
like common ground, or maybe we can like find a new perspective that might help someone's life. Right. So I don't know. I feel like society is missing out on so many great options and conversations. Oh, I definitely agree. I, I personally believe that we've been lied to on just about every imaginable level. Um, but like you said, you know, one one popular saying, especially on YouTube that I've heard, is that two things can be true at the same time. You know what I mean? And so, like you're saying, you know, I personally believe, I mean, I know history repeats itself or, or rhymes or whatever you want to say, but I kind of think we're at an all-time high of just being completely divided from each other. And, I mean, you know, everyone, I mean, I, I'm i going to put myself out there. I mean, I get, uh, you know, sensitive or whatever, but it's just like everyone's just offended by everything. Uh, and like you said, it's either black or white. There's no gray. When when you really look at the um, the truth, there's balance to it. So, again, two things can be true at the same time, you know, and um, forget what else I was going to say. Um, man, I mean, like kind of like kind of like this, you know, some people say, well, there's two sides to every story. Some people say there's three. There's your side, my side and the truth. And. I really think that if we have conversations that we'll kind of get to that, you know, common ground or whatever, um, because a lot of these polarizing issues, like you said, they're very nuanced. There's a lot of, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, man. It's kind of like if a law goes into effect, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of details behind it. It's not just cut and dry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for you guys in the U.S. The U.S. is like, there's an extreme divide in the States right now. And it's like the biggest divide I've, like, I've ever seen. And it's interesting because even though I'm Canadian, there is still this weird appeal when it comes to the United States and how you guys operate and all your politics and your news. And I don't know, whatever it is, like the United States is like the Mecca of the world. Everything is interesting about the U.S. Like no no one cares about Justin Trudeau and Canadian politics. Like if you ask anyone else in the world, they all know about, you know, Trump or Biden, you know, it's like something about the U S is everyone gravitates towards you guys. However, the divide that I see now, like from not just like the left and the right, but just like the divide where people are going after each other, like on Twitter and Facebook and like, all the, the shit posting and the hate and the arguing and the fighting, like it's, it's horrible. It, it feels like it's such like a rough time to kind of be in this environment in the West. Right. And I think the online culture really has kind of like <laughs> transitioned into real life. It's like, everyone's always trolling. Everyone's, I, I don't know, man. Like, and I, I agree. I mean, I mean, I do know who Justin Trudeau is. I personally don't like him, but I mean, I I throw, <laughs> I, I throw him in the same boat as, as no one likes him. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, Mister Anti Freedom. I don't I don't know if I can. I don't know oh, if that's an accurate shit. portrayal. I I don't like Justin Trudeau, but I will say to be fair, I mean, I don't like most American politicians. I think, um, you know, I heard a wise man say, uh, when a politician's mouth is moving, they're they're lying, you know. But that's just what what I believe most of the time, but. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it is it is interesting, um, you know, having grown up in the United States um, and seeing how people cop, you know, copy or try to be, you know, Western or whatever. But at the same time, um, you know, America, um, kind of like how Dave Chappelle talked about the industry. He was on a um, 
interview and he's like, you know, maybe it's just a little sick, you know what I mean? And, and I believe that about America. I mean, a lot of our culture is, is sick for lack of a better word. Um, I mean, just a story that I heard was a, uh, it was a man from Africa. Um, and he came over here and visited and he went back to his family and like isolated himself for like 30 days to like cleanse from, from being in America. <laughs> um, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I just think that, uh, there's a lot about the United States that's just not healthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you know what though? I'm, this is like a weird thing to say, cause this, this is not a very popular opinion that Canadians generally have, but I'm extremely supportive and protective of the United States because you guys have freedom of speech. And that is something that we don't have in Canada. Like we have freedom of expression, but if you are like a comedian in a comedy club in Canada, if you say a joke that offends someone, you can be sued because we don't have freedom of speech laws. We don't have the first amendment, like what you guys have. So even though I know like the United States, they have, you guys have all your flaws. You have all this craziness. It's like a gong show, but this first amendment that you guys have, the, the ability of freedom of speech is so, so important that I feel like people in Canada, we don't like, we don't understand how important that is. Like it's, it's something that needs to be protected at all costs, especially for stuff like this, like podcasting or conversations or the news, just being able to speak your truth and try to get out the truth on a lot of subjects. Because I always believe that censorship is the wrong way to go about having proper discourse. You want to have people to be able to say whatever wild statements they want to say so that you can debunk them or pose your counter argument like that the better like the way to have better speech is to have free speech so everyone can get out all their ideas and we can pick apart the ones that are crazy and, and find what real truth is but when you have a country that doesn't support freedom of speech that's when you know i'm very very like weary of, of that type of stuff and that's why i feel like you know the, the u.s that first amendment that you guys have it needs to be like protected at all costs Right. I do agree. Um, I mean, I didn't know that about Canada. I had heard that basically, um, for example, if you, maybe you disagree with someone's lifestyle or you just, uh, whatchamacallit, um, maybe you just say a comment and it offends them. They can call the police in Canada and have you arrested for hate speech. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it'll, of course it will depend on what is, is said, but yeah, you, you have to be careful of what you say because there's no laws that can like protect you. Hmm. Yeah. That type of stuff. I mean, so it's... sorry to interrupt you. Uh, what were you going to say? No, no, keep going. No worries. Uh, appreciate it. I mean, you know, and you're right. I mean, the free speech is very important. I, I'm definitely a huge believer in that. I also am a strong believer in the, the second amendment, you know, within reason, um, right to, you know, defend yourself basically. Um, what's it called there is kind of an attack on free speech in the united states um what's it called i mean you look at cancel culture um is just at an all-time high where uh, someone says something it might maybe it's malicious maybe not or maybe it just gets taken out of context and uh 
It's just like, I don't know, there, there's a song I like called Zombify by Falling in Reverse, and he talks about, they'll never let go of something you said 10 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, uh, mm. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. I mean, I've definitely have seen a shift in, um, the United States for, for a lot of years. Um, I don't know. And if I'm being honest, I just think that, I mean, the United States is like, I mean, I guess if we're going to keep doing songs, there's a song by Lupe Fiasco called dumb it down. And like, everything is just dumbed down to an unprecedented level. I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. it, it's just so much that I just think is just, I don't know. Speaking of self-improvement, I just think that like, the United States is completely not living up to its potential. I honestly, I and this, I know this is far left field or whatever, but I wouldn't really be surprised if uh, I don't know what it would take for it to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if different states seceded from the United States and became their own little mini countries or whatever. I don't know. It's just, uh, mm. it's just, uh, there's just an attack on free speech, and 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 I know I talked about Kwame Brown. Um, on the previous stream that I was in the chat, uh, he has a saying where he says, yeah, we have freedom of speech, but in America, you have company policy. So you look at, oh. you're not allowed to say different things on the job. You know, you're not allowed to, it, I mean, and I've experienced it. It's, it's uh, pretty interesting stuff. So can you not use the first amendment as a defense if it goes against a corporation's policy? Um, I'd say the corporation will probably win. It'd have to be a pretty. Um, oh wow! I mean, really? I mean, I'm not an expert, man, but I just, you know, I mean, I I don't know. I think Kwame Brown had a really good point where he was talking about, yeah, we have freedom of speech, but then there's company policy, and I mean, you're not allowed to really freely just speak. I mean, you can, but you're gonna run the risk of, you know, getting in trouble or whatever it might be at work. Um, hmm. you know, so. Yeah, the the free speech one is tough. Um, I get a lot of criticism about this opinion that I have about free speech, but what people don't understand it's not just I believe in free speech, but I also believe that like you want to have free speech so that when you have crazy people say some crazy horrible stuff, that you can either debunk them or hold them accountable to what they say. And I feel like, you know, that's also part of free speech. It's not just to be able to say whatever you feel like, but it's also like, you know, you need to, you need to allow, you know, the crazies to talk so that we can beat their speech with better speech. That's always the opinion that I have. But if you take away people's ability to speak freely, then they might be apprehensive about, you know, trying to debunk someone that says something crazy. Cause I'm like, I'll be like, Oh, should I push back at what they say? Maybe I'm going to get in trouble. And then, the truth doesn't, you don't get to the bottom of the matter. You don't get, you don't get to the truth, right? I think that's like the problem that I have um, with the free, the whole free speech argument. Oh yeah. I'm, I, I completely agree. And I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, because if you don't have free speech, someone could just basically lie or, you know, I mean, it's kind of like being able to rewrite history. Um, some people say that the victor gets to rewrite history. Um, but if you don't have freedom of speech, um, I mean, hey, we could be looking at our textbooks in 10 years and they could say the sky's purple and, you know, that, you know, you might not be able to say the sky's blue. You know, I, I'm definitely 
um, believe in freedom of speech and, and definitely freedom of thought too. I mean, I mean, it's, a uh, you know, it could be a lot worse. Um, there's a lot of people that, that don't have food, shelter, clothing, or, or, or worse. Um, but we are living in some scary kind of unprecedented times. I mean, you know, <laughs> Yeah, there's always like, like, I always try to remind myself, I'm very fortunate to, you know, be living in North America, to be living in a country where you can, you know, buy food, whenever I want, I can go down the street to the grocery store, and I can pretty much buy whatever food I want, and have a, you know, a warm bed and running water and electricity, like all these luxuries that we take for granted in the West. And there's so many countries that don't even have those basic necessities to life. But, you know, we just take it for granted because you lack perspective. But it's also something I, I've been practicing gratitude for a while, like keeping a gratitude journal, just, you know, telling myself what am I thankful for. And you take things for granted. You take your health for granted, your family for granted, your finances, food, everything. You take everything for granted unless you like really think about that. And it's like so many people just all they want to do is complain and complain and complain because that's kind of like the easy way out. It's like, oh, it's the government's fault or it's inflation or it's taxes or it's the Federal Reserve or it's this or that. And it's always just like, man, sometimes it's good to sort of stop and take a moment and kind of, you know, be grateful for what you have today. And that's part of like the self-improvement journey that really made me a better, well-rounded human being, because, you know, when someone cuts me off on the highway and I'm pissed off, I, you know, I try to remind myself like life is good. You know, life, life is good. There's no reason to drive after that guy and scream at him and give him the finger. Like, you know, my life is good. You know, like those little things are so insignificant in the grand scheme of the universe. Right. 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 No, I do agree with you. Um, I definitely agree with you. There's a lot that we take for granted we do have a lot to be grateful for i mean whether it whether it's going to be temporary or or not i think at some point in the future we're not going to have that same uh luxury to just go to the store to get food and yeah i mean i don't know i i guess i'm kind of like a i don't know if i can really say optimistic realist but i just i just see a lot happening in the next few years that's gonna uh not be uh, fun, I guess, if that's the right word. Mm. You, you know, what else is interesting about the freedom and grocery store thing. If you want to buy alcohol in Canada, you pretty much have to go to a government controlled store to buy it. <laughs> that's interesting. Whereas in the US, you can just buy it like wherever, right? Yeah. I mean, the gas station, the, I mean, Walmart, <laughs> the gas station. yeah, I mean, yeah, you can get, you can get beer, uh, <laughs> And I'm, I'm sure there's some gas stations where you can get like, you know, liquor, but you can get beer and different like malt. I mean, you can get alcohol almost anywhere in the United States. <laughs> See, that that's that's so funny because it wasn't until like just recently, a few years ago, you could buy beer in the grocery store. Wow. Like, we, this was never a thing. You have to go to the designated Ontario government beer store like it's regulated by the government. It's almost as if like we're treated like children, like, Oh, I'm a child. I'm an adult. I just can't go to a normal store and buy alcohol. No, you have to go to this one specific store that's licensed. And it wasn't until just recently, like you can go to the grocery store and oh, they have like a fridge section for some beer. And I always found it kind of amusing because I'd go to New York or to the States every once in a while. 
and I'd be in like Costco. And then after I check out, there's like this huge section of alcohol. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, what is this? This is so crazy. <laughs> that was in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And like Buffalo, I think Buffalo, Buffalo Costco. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Ever since I can remember since I was born, you can buy alcohol in the grocery store, the gas station. I mean, pretty much anywhere they got alcohol stores. I mean, but yeah, that's uh, I didn't know that about Canada. That's uh, that's interesting. I know uh, what's it called? I mean, you know, shows like South Park uh, have always kind of made fun of Canada. I know. I mean, <laughs> South Park they definitely go way beyond, way out of bounds. I think most of the time, but sometimes they do make uh, good points. But a lot of times, South Park can be kind of you know, on the perverted side or whatever, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. but they, I don't know, they always make fun of Canada. But I mean, I, I'm at the point now where I'd make fun of the United States. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? To be fair, too, though, there are a lot of benefits. Even though I make fun of Canada about how we're like babied as adults. However, if I were to fall and break my leg and have to call an ambulance and go to the hospital, I don't have a bill for a thousand dollars for an ambulance. I don't have a doctor's bill for the surgery. You know what I mean? So, like in the freak case of like some wild accident happens where you know my health is compromised and i have to go to the hospital for something i'm not crippled financially because of the socialist healthcare system we have here so you know i am still grateful for a lot of things that we do have in canada because you know like one of my friends in california he told me once he was skateboarding in la and his his friend fractured his elbow or something and then he couldn't go to the hospital because he couldn't afford it oh yeah and i was like so what did he do he's like oh i just went home i'm like with a fractured elbow yeah like (laughs) don't you have to like get that fixed like what if you like lose your arm or something and he's like well he he doesn't have health insurance he can't afford it and i was like oh my gosh that's so crazy because i never i like when i was younger i never knew that's what healthcare was like in the u.s right Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I surely wish that we had it similar healthcare wise to y'all in Canada. Um, Yeah, I mean, I know plenty of people. And from my experience, too, there's plenty of times where I won't go to the hospital or nothing because I can't afford it. Um, Whether I have health insurance or not, I mean, it's going to be a big bill, you know. Um, wow. And I mean, I've, I've met uh, a homeless guy in Washington, D.C., who pretty sure I met multiple homeless people where this happened to. But I mean, he had a family and everything. And then I forget what happened. He had like heart surgery or or something. And then, you know, that just bankrupted him. I mean, he couldn't afford a $25,000 bill or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I definitely wish that, um, you know, our healthcare system would be, you know, fair and equal, I guess, where people would get healthcare that they need. I mean, you only live once to my knowledge. I mean, need healthcare, you know, (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, something that I fundamentally, uh, disagree with the way that the healthcare is in the United States. Um, I'm pretty sure the United States military from my understanding basically has that kind of healthcare, um, like how y'all have in Canada, Canada, but just for like, uh, and I could be wrong. So someone can come in the comments and, and check me on that. But, uh, my dad was in the Navy and, uh, from what he explained to me, uh, that was kind of how it was where uh, socialist healthcare or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, in the United States, I mean, 
I mean, yeah, people don't, some people don't go to the hospital because they, they're scared they might not even come back. That's, that's in different cities and stuff where that's happened. But yeah, with the help, with the healthcare bills, that's a very real thing where people are like, well, I'm just going to tough it out. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yo, that, that's wild. But also, again, again, to be fair, over here, if you need like a general practitioner or a doctor or something, something basic, it, it's pretty much covered. This is where you, you, um, you have no problem going to any hospital. But whenever it comes to any very high level specific type of surgery, generally Canadians will pay to go to the US because you have like the best of the best. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. Like if there's like an open heart surgery doctor, he's in the U S the best guys in the U S they're, they're never over here in Canada. Right. So it's like, we have this great system for basic healthcare. And that's something that I honestly believe in because anyone can slip and fall on the sidewalk and crack their elbow, right. Fracture a leg. You know what I mean? Like that's just like bad luck. And then yeah. that might bankrupt someone like that's, that seems so unfair. Right. But where I feel like there has to be, maybe like a mix of our system with yours would be good where, you know, you have general coverage, um, you know, paid for like, you know, accidents or whatever happens. But if you want something like cosmetic or something specific or some type of high level surgery, then maybe it does make sense for, you know, you to pay um, for that professional that who's really good at that one particular surgery. So I feel like the answer is somewhere in the middle, I think. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just couldn't imagine um, not calling an ambulance if I broke my leg because I don't have the money. <laughs> Shit. Oh, bro. yeah, man. A, oh, I mean, man. A, I'd say it's pretty common in the, in the United States like that. Hmm. Have, you, have you ever been to Canada? I never have. The only place I've been to is uh, Peru. Um, oh, Peru. I, I, definitely, I definitely would like to travel. Um but yeah, I, I lived in uh, Cusco, Peru for about six weeks. Um, uh, but uh, I would like to travel, but looks like I probably probably won't at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I've never been to Canada. I, I've had a few friends who have who have gone up there and had a good time. Yeah, don't, don't come right now. We just had a wild uh, winter snowstorm. People were like oh, wow. sliding all over the place, uh, cars in the ditch, tow trucks everywhere. <laughs> oh man, and yeah, I mean, here in Georgia, you know, to make fun of uh, to make fun of Americans or whatever. I mean, if it's one inch of snow, it's like no one can drive. I mean, you know, I've seen Atlanta shut down over like barely any snow, just like everything shut down, car crashes, and it's like people lose their minds. Like it's crazy. Oh, that's wild. You you know what yeah. I do like about the U.S. You have this like geographical ability to maybe not necessarily move from state to state to state, but you could, you know, you could go to New York where it has like full seasons. You can go to Nevada or LA where it's like super hot. Like you, you can choose the type of climate that you want to live in. But up here, we can't go any further south. Like everywhere in Canada is cold <laughs> and it sucks. Like there's no option to escape the cold. Because it's all yeah. like our options are all horizontal, right? <laughs> right, right. That's funny. That's funny. I never thought about that. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know how easy it is to go from like Ontario to Quebec, or I mean, I'm kind of making myself look 
bad here, but you know, the different like Saskatchewan and the different provinces. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I live in North Georgia, uh, and one day I could be in, I could go to Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, you know, I could be in three States or more in a day. You just like that. Oh, that's you cool. Know. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's, you know, what's interesting. I just remembered something that you, that you brought up Quebec. Um, I remember earlier you were talking about something about this, a state defacting from the U S maybe becoming its own country. I think it was like 20 years ago, we had a vote for Quebec to become its own country. Um, mm. They wanted to escape from Canada. They want to be their own, um, you know, their own country, their own economy, their own currency, their own everything. Right. And I remember as a kid, we watching this vote on television and it, it didn't pass. It, it failed. So they are still one of our provinces, but it, I found it interesting that that was something that we considered um, once upon a time. Um, so if that were to happen in the U.S., is there like a specific state you think that would want to escape from the rest? I would hope it would be Georgia, but that's that's just for oh, me. Oh, you want but, your uh, own your home state <laughs> to escape? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how feasible or functional it would be, but I mean, you know, my my thing would be, hey, let's just be free, and anyone who wants to come here and be free, come on down to Georgia. But, but uh, what's it called? I think probably Texas um, is one that, I mean, at least in kind of like the legend or whatever, each state kind of has its own, like, you know, narrative or I guess like character that people know about. But I, I'd say Texas has always talked about um, seceding and being its own country. Um, but, I mean just the way that it's going now and i mean who knows what's going to happen but i could definitely how divided all the states are i could definitely see um you know different different states uh doing that or talking about it or or whatever but uh man i forget what else i was going to say oh yeah i was going to say i don't think the queen would let that ride with uh quebec uh or whoever (laughs) i don't think i don't think they'd let that ride to just let them out yeah, um, it's it's an interesting one because like the provinces are provinces are just like the states um, where the tax laws are different. You know, I'm sure you have like different state laws or like the gambling stuff. Uh, what are like the state laws like um, in in the U.S. and Georgia compared to other states? Yeah, it's really all changing. Um, I mean, there's some states where uh, you can play poker online. There's some states where you can't, there's some, you know, legally or whatever. Um, then there's, um, states that have lotteries, states that don't have lotteries, states that have casinos, states that don't have casinos. Um, and then, you know, I haven't kept up with all the, um, details of it, but like sports betting and stuff like that, that's illegal in certain states and it's not in others. And I mean, it's, a, uh, I guess it's kind of like, you know, the legalization of, of marijuana or, or whatever you want to say. Um, what's it called? And, uh, it just kind of, it just kind of depends on, on which state, um, that you're in as to what you can do. Mm. So is, but I would, is the gambling age 21 for all the states? I think so, man. I, I'm the wrong one to ask, but that sounds right to me. Um, I think that, uh, what's it called the way that it's going now, I think that, you know, damn near every state is going to legalize gambling in one way, form or another, uh, just from the revenue that can be, 
um, generated from it. Like in Georgia, they have what's called the Hope Scholarship, um, which is funded by the lottery. And uh, that's basically where if you make A's and B's in high school, you can get your tuition paid in, uh, in college, more or less. It's, it's, like, it's a scholarship, you know, funded by the lottery. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Huh. You, you know what's interesting about the lottery here? If you win the lottery, you don't have to pay income tax on it. Oh man, uh, yeah, I would say I'm, <laughs> I would say I'm moving to Canada on that, but, but that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because I mean, you no, guys, you, if you win the Powerball, you got to pay in state income tax, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it. Uh, you got to pay tax. I mean, so say you win a million, you know, I, we could get an attorney or someone or or someone to break down the math, but. I think you're going to end up paying about half to a third of that right back in taxes. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, you might win a million, like say you win a hundred thousand. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be complaining if I cash out of a hundred thousand that I want, if I cash, you know, 45,000 or, or whatever the number might be versus zero. But uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta give a lot of it back in taxes. Oh, that's wild. See, yeah, it's pretty pretty brutal, but that's kind of the name of the game. <laughs> see, my you know what's conflicting for me is sort of getting back to the whole like sort of free speech freedom thing. Um, I the the gambling thing is tough for me because it's such a poison in my life. It's so toxic. It's so negative. It's there's nothing good about it. However, I do believe that adults should have the freedom to gamble if they want to, just like any right. other decision. I, I, even though generally the, the outcome is going to be negative, you know, casinos are going to pillage you. They're going to take your money. You can't win because it's mathematically set where you, you can't win in the long run. It's just impossible. The, the, the house always wins. Even yeah. though I know that, I still believe in freedom to a point where you know, adults should be able to do whatever they want to do. Right. Yeah. I, I do believe in, in freedom of, you know, just freedom in general. Um, and I agree. I mean, I don't know, I guess it's kind of like alcohol, like, you know, some people will abuse it and they might drive drunk. They might, uh, you know, there's people who get alcohol poisoning or, I mean, there's all kind of people that don't come back after one, one night of drinking, but then there's other people that have a few beers or whatever, but, um, I don't know. I, I do agree. You know, I mean, gambling can definitely destroy people's lives. And, uh, I mean, gambling is something else, but I do believe people should be allowed to, to do it. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's, um, what's your, what's your game of choice other than poker? Do you have one? I do. Um, though, the whole, well, I don't, I don't really want to say how much I made just because this is on a public platform, but the whole way that I got into gambling, um, I was delivering pizza, uh, got off of work, went to the gas station and was talking to this guy. He said, man, you need to get on, um, one of these sites. Um, and, uh, I mean, I could say which one it is. I don't know. I mean, I personally think it's pretty super rigged, but I flipped 20, $20 into quite a few thousand on a roulette. I never really had played it before. Um, and then I cashed, uh, what set like 70% of it. And then being a new gambler, I was like, well, if I keep, you know, a few thousand or whatever, I can flip it again, which of course I lost that. But I mean, I, I made a substantial amount of money, um, off of $20 in a few hours. 
um, playing roulette. I mean, I had a strategy that was it was working or whatever. Um, uh, but for me, it'd be roulette. But I um, from there, I started, you know, gambling. Um, and then um, personally, I believe that the tables on that site uh, have magnets. I mean, you can almost it's just it's crazy. Like in real life. Yeah, you can see you know, seven or 14, uh, you know, blacks or reds in a row. But once you get to like, it, it, it's just crazy. So I got tired of roulette and, um, uh, I know you said other than poker, but I got into poker because, uh, yeah, it's still a gamble, but there's more skill involved in my opinion. Um, but pretty much roulette and Texas Hold'em, I would say, or my, uh, drug, I mean, a game of choice. <laughs> mm, so roulette, was your gateway game into gambling and then you moved over to poker? Yeah. I mean, you know, I grew up playing a little poker, but not at the level that I'm playing now. Um, but yeah, I, I got out of roulette because I said, man, I mean, I would love to go back to roulette uh, if I had the money that I was willing to lose. Um, and there have been multiple times on that site uh, and similar sites where I've flipped 20 into a thousand into 5,000 into whatever. Um, but you know, if I if I had the money and I also kind of feel bad about gambling too, kind of kind of like the whole deal where um, where, say, you're growing up and your parents are like, you need to eat that because there's some people that are starving. They don't have food. I always kind of feel conflicted about gambling because, hey, man, like, you know, I think I personally think kind of where we're three is going on. And it's like, man, I'm out here just, you know, there's people that would, you know kill for lack of a better word uh for the money that i'm gambling with i mean but uh but yeah i got out of roulette um i, I still like roulette but i just don't have the money to 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 play with it on um and so i got into poker just to i wanted to hopefully have more skill involved than you know mm, that's interesting it's that's funny because for me it was the inverse i started with poker did well. And then just by proximity of being in the casino, I would venture off every once in a while to the roulette table, or maybe go to the blackjack table or the sick bow table. And for whatever reason, I really liked roulette where this idea of, oh, let's just put 20 bucks on my favorite number at the end of the night and then go home. It was like this sort of tradition or ritual that me and my brother had because my brother is a big gambler too and we'd go to the casino together and we'd play poker for you know many many hours and then at the end of the night we'd toss like a green 25 dollar chip on our favorite number and then just let it ride and you know of course 35 to 1 on 25 bucks is like over 700 dollars right or whatever the math is and that i remember that rush i got the one time that i hit my number and I'm like, oh my God, I just made like seven, $800 in like 30 seconds. This is like the best feeling in the entire world. But little did I know, like that was what kind of wrecked me because no longer was I playing this game of skill where it's player versus player. Now I was playing a game that's against the house and you know, you just can't win in a game of roulette because they had those stupid green zero and green double zero, right? And so you just, you just lose no matter what. And that's, that's sort of like what really opened my eyes to gambling addiction because I'm like, man, I now I, instead of going to the casino to want to play poker, now I want to go to the roulette table. And that's when I realized like I was screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree. I mean, 
I think a lot of it's about, you know, discipline because I honestly, just my personal opinion is that poker is the same way because let's say you're at a cash game or a tournament and, well, I guess, I guess a cash game, but basically a tournament would just be the same thing. But if you just keep playing tournaments, but it, let's just say, I mean, <laughs> unrealistically, you take $5 to a poker table and you turn it into a million. Uh, in my opinion, and I, I really think it's a fact that if you don't cash that out, if you don't stand up and get away from the table, it doesn't matter if it takes five minutes or a year, you're going to lose it all. You know what I mean? And uh, mm. I just, um, I don't know, man. I mean, what's it called? Uh, you know, roulette uh, and all those games, the, the house always wins. So, I mean, it's a, uh, it's crazy. And I mean, same in poker, you know, I mean, I also <clears throat> started playing in person, um, allegedly or whatever, but, uh, I figured I'd rather face, you know, cheaters or whatever that could be out there in person than be playing a robot or I, I don't know. I just figured I'd rather kind of face that in, in person, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So were you more into the cash games or more into tournaments? Um, I play a lot more. Of I enjoy tournaments more just because I like to play chess. And to me oh, in do. a tournament. Yeah, yeah, I like to play chess. Um I started kind of getting more into it. I kinda got bored with it just because I really like to play basketball and uh chess is cool, but uh, you know, I get I get bored with it sometime. But over the past year I've kind of gotten more into it. But um to me, poker is very similar to chess in a lot of ways. Um uh, but when I'm playing a tournament to me there's a lot more everything makes more sense like i can do different bluffs or i can do different strategies i can use like there's a clock in a tournament there's levels and there's to me there's just a lot more uh i guess different strategies you can use in a tournament and depending on how the tournament's set up it can be a more even playing field whereas in a cash game i might win against someone and they've got you know, way more money than I do in real life. And they'll just keep buying in, keep buying in, and then they'll win with 7-2 or something against Aces. You know what I mean? 7-2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy um, tournaments too because it's a different dynamic, right, with the increasing of the blinds. Like, it's pretty much a different game altogether. But the the cash games is, it's interesting because you see people lose money and lose their mind in real time because a tournament you buy in, you lose, you're gone. Right. But then in the cash game, you can just keep going to your wallet. You can keep going to the ATM and bringing, you know, more money, more chips back to the table and reloading. And I've seen dudes go deep. Like, I don't oh, even yeah. know if they were betting with their credit card or they had overdraft protection, or maybe they liquidated their mortgage to play. Like I've seen dude just go way out of line with the amount of money they would bring to the table. And, and it's wild because you see people ruining their lives in real time, right? In real time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, what's called one thing about poker that I'll say too, and I, me and some buddies that I play with, we all end up saying this win or lose. I mean, poker is cool. Well, we love playing it, but it, at the end of the day, it really is a stupid game. I mean, it really truly is like, and I love playing poker, but I mean, it's a stupid game. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, people ruin their lives over this. And, um, 
what was I going to say? I don't. Have you seen the movie Molly's Game? <clears throat> oh, I've heard of it. Man, you you got to watch Molly's that movie, game. and it's deep too. I mean, you're you're talking about like self improvement. It's all about poker. It's based on a true story. Um, it's about Molly Bloom. Uh, she ran a poker game, um, and basically she kind of got into it by chance, but she ended up starting her own game. And at at the game that she got into and the game that she started, it was like Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, Ben Affleck, mm. uh, Alex Rodriguez, um, CEOs of you know billionaires, millionaires. Uh, celebrities whoever um and then you know poker players and stuff and um she ended up getting federal charges years after she um stopped running the game for taking a rake and then also um the russian mafia was kind of involved in like a offhanded way but you know the movie's about her fighting those charges um but it's about her life too so without giving away too much it's about her like I guess psychology or like her her personal dilemmas and stuff like that too. So it's really deep and it's a really good um movie. Um, mm-hmm. um and then also she uh she's actually been on YouTube here lately. I've I've seen an interview. I've seen multiple interviews, but I saw one with a channel similar to yours. Um it's a guy who um he does uh a lot of forget if it's like Colts or, but he, he, he does a lot on like Scientology and different stuff like that. I, I can't even think right now of what kind of the premise of his channel is, but he did an interview with Molly Bloom, you know, the real lady. Um, and, uh, man, that would be pretty cool if you ever were able to, uh, interview her. But, but anyway, uh, Molly's game is a really good, uh, movie in general, but it's about poker too. Um, really, really deep movie. Well, yeah, I'm reading the synopsis and the plot right now. It says it was filmed in Toronto in 2016. I remember playing in the underground poker games that were in Toronto because the casinos here take way too much rake. <laughs> yeah. So I oh, know yeah. exactly what what this what this is all about. <laughs> oh man. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll see. I mean, you know, I can definitely relate since I've started playing poker in person. I can definitely relate to that movie on an even greater level. Um, but I mean, that's to me, that's in my top 10 or 20 movies. I mean, it's just a good movie. Like that's one I can watch over and over and over. Um, and it's just so, it's just so deep. I mean, it's a, it's a really good movie. I'll have to, um, find time in my schedule to maybe watch it one day. If I can. See, you know, what's interesting about the self-improvement stuff, my schedule right now, it's, it's so wild. Like I've quit pretty much all movies, all TV shows, Netflix, everything, video game. I've quit everything. Like any form of instant gratification, I've kind of removed from my life in this conquest of self-improvement. I know it sounds kind of extreme, but it's made me so much more happy. However, I get kind of sad when people recommend me really great films because I love videography. I love cinematography. I love all this type of stuff, cameras, lenses. I love everything when it comes to film, right? So it kind of kills me on the inside that I have this contradiction of, you know, quit Netflix, quit movies, quit video games, quit instant gratification. But then I love film. I love like, I love all this stuff. And it's like this, active contradiction that i sort of live with 
from day to day. Right. Yeah, I get it, man. I, I definitely love movies. Uh, I mean, um, I definitely, I definitely love film and, and like you said, cinematography and, and all of that. Um, you know, I just, you know, and, and a lot of times, I mean, you can sit and watch a movie and just kind of make fun of it the whole time. Cause sometimes it's kind of stupid, like how what we're saying about poker, but that's just, I, I just, I definitely like, uh, you know, watching movies and, and stories and, and stuff like that. Um, and again, I like, uh, I like movies where, I mean, and this definitely happened in Molly's game. Um, there's a movie called unbroken, which is based on a true story. Um, I think the guy's name was Zamperini. He was a world war two veteran, Louis Zamperini. He was a world war two veteran. He, um, he ran in the Olympic Games uh, in front of Hitler before World War II, then fought in World War II and just survived so much um, out in the ocean for like 20-something days or something on like a raft and then was captured by the Japanese and like brutally tortured and, I mean, pushed to his limit um, and, you know, survived, overcame all of that, forgave the guy that was the main guy. I mean, it's just such a deep movie, but I, I always love movies where, people are underdogs or they overcome or self-improve, I guess, for, for lack of a better word. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, but I respect that, you know, if you're, if you're at a point where you're not watching movies or whatever the case may be, I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know if, I guess watching a movie could be considered like instant gratification. I probably would disagree with you on the level there because, you know, it could be entertaining or you could learn, I mean, one of my buddies, like I was telling you about my friend who lives in Compton, who's from Compton, uh, Los Angeles, he always said for years that he likes all the messages um, that are in in movies. Um, and there is such a thing as predictive programming, in my opinion, too. But, um, I mean, I just watched a, a movie called Just Mercy um, the other day. I mean, I broke down and cried a few times watching that just because it's based on a true story um, set not far from where I live in Alabama. Um, true story, guy that was innocent, sentenced to death row without a trial, and it took them like six years to, to get him free, and he almost didn't even get free. Um, so he was sentenced to execution for a crime that he didn't commit, and it was corroborated, and, you know, hey, he wasn't even, like, around. Like, <laughs> he, he had a, a legit alibi, but he was about to be executed, you know. Um, back in like 1993 or whatever, whenever it happened. Um, but, but I mean, with, and again, with, I respect that. I just love watching movies, man. I really do. Probably, probably more than I should, but I like, uh, like watching movies. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of people tell me that I'm way too extreme with, with the stuff, how I'm like obsessed with like this whole self-improvement thing. However, what, what I like to tell people too, is that, if you dislike your life, if you dislike the lack of success you have, then do something about it. Like yeah, that's the exactly. only answer. And right now where I am, because of my gambling problem that you know destroyed my 20s, which prevented me from having a real profession or having any skills, you know, I am basically like at the bottom of the corporate world where I work labor jobs, right? So I dislike my life. And for the longest time, I always just complained and complained, oh, the government, this taxes that. 
But then I got to a point when I started self-improvement, I'm like, well, do something about it. If you dislike your life so much, why don't you do something about it? And so every day I ask myself, you know, am I happy with where I'm at? And if the answer is no, then I need to get to work and kind of make up for those. See, the way I see it, I've lost nine years of full-time work where I could have tried to achieve something. And full-time work is 2,080 hours, right? So that's 18,000 hours I potentially lost of working full-time towards a specific goal, a passion, or a career. So I'm sort of trying to make up that time. And so my life is very extreme only because I wake up every day with a level of dislike for myself and my current situation. And so I try really, really hard to, you know, remove things like instant gratification, distractions from my life so that I can push towards that. However, when I do achieve, you know, my goal or or dream or whatever I want to, you know, reach, there definitely will be time for, for movies as well, because also the way that I'm pushing myself is definitely not like the healthiest way to live your life, I guess you could say. Um, but that's sort of like my reasoning for being so extreme um, with the no Netflix, no video game type of stuff. It's sort of like this like sadness that I have every single morning. I wake up and I'm just like, no, I'm not content. I'm not happy like where I'm at struggling at this like shitty job where I'm driving this dirty truck and lifting these heavy ass boxes. And it has no, it has no relation to any of my passions in life. Right. And so it's just, um, I don't know, it's, it's like a super extreme view on life that I have, but also, again, I want to kind of, you know, let people know like, Hey, don't make the mistake that I made. Don't have these regrets where you're going to have to make up nine years of your life of trying to catch up right? If that makes any sense. It does. I mean, I would say too, I mean, I mean, trust me, bro, I deal with a level of self-hatred or whatever you want to call it myself, but you do have to, you know, love yourself and what's it called? I get, you know, not being content. Um, One thing I always tell myself is it could always be worse. You know what I mean? And Hmm. it's not like, it's really not like you wasted those years. I mean, you can't get them back. All you can really do is move forward. I mean, you've got you know, breath in your body to make a change. You're already making the change. I mean, really, I, you know, my opinion is I think you should be more motivated or, uh, trying to think what the word would be, but I I mean, at this point, I'd be proud if I were you that you've made that change and you're moving forward. You know, I mean, the past is exactly what it is in the past. You can't go back and change it, but I mean, you can forgive yourself and, you know what I mean? Uh, you don't have to live with that um, resentment, you know what I mean, towards the past. I mean, at the same time, yeah, I know you feel like you wasted all those years. At the same time, you did get to experience something that a lot of people don't experience, which is not working for, um, you know, a company or, or someone else. I mean, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being an employee. In my life, I want to become an entrepreneur or investor or something. I, I really, truly want to And I love work. Like I have a good work ethic and everything, but I basically want to be independent. You know what I mean? I don't want to keep working for corporations, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, I want to have more, have more freedom. And and I do have, you know, great levels of freedom that a lot of people don't. But I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that I don't know. I I guess just, uh, I mean, you're winning 
a lot more now than you are losing. I wouldn't I wouldn't keep looking at I mean you had a you had an experience that a lot of people don't have and you have an experience that can help other people. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know what's interesting too about the entrepreneurial side? Man, being an entrepreneur is one of like the best things in the world to be able to work on your own time do whatever you want to do, not having a boss, not having to show up at work at a specific time, because you're basically a slave. You're a slave to a corporation if they can tell you what time you have to show up and what days you can take off for vacation. You're basically a slave to the corporate corporate world. And when I was a gambling degenerate, quote unquote, entrepreneur for nine years, it opened my eyes to just like doing something that you love is one of the most fulfilling things in my life. And I think I'm secretly chasing that fulfillment. And luckily enough for me, I think I found that in YouTube podcasting and whatever this content creation stuff is. Like, I I love it. I just, like, even today I had a super long ass day, woke up early with the kids, had to go to work early, snowstorm, battling to get home, all this craziness. And, you know, it's like midnight doing the podcast is something that I love. Like, I love just you know, making content, having conversations. And it's like, you know, I'm grateful that I found a second avenue of entrepreneurial entrepreneurship, if that's a word. But this time I don't want to screw it up by, you know, being lazy, by procrastinating. And I want to like take advantage of every opportunity that I have. So that's maybe part of the motivation for me. Yeah, exactly, man. I'm I'm really glad for you that you found the YouTube channel. I mean, but yeah, that's my goal is to like you said, I mean, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I think slavery is a is a good word or indentured servitude or whatever. I mean, there's there's levels of slavery that are much worse than than what we do when we work for these companies, but um I know to some people it's going to sound completely like ungrateful or what whatever the word is, but I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is. I mean, if you don't, you know, you got to do it there. You got to do jump when they say jump and when they say jump say how high and i mean you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so that's one thing that i'm pursuing i also know on the flip side that there's risk in being an entrepreneur and from what i've heard from people um it's a lot harder work because i mean <laughs> i guess you're kind of depending on you like it's a lot more work than just being an employee but um you know that's what i'm that's what I'm chasing too, is to, you know, basically just be more free, um, you know, with my time. Cause I mean, you only have so much before your, um, life is over, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at, uh, the time that you, like you say, wasted or lost. I mean, as completely a negative, like I know overall it might seem that way, but there's a lot of positives to it too. Um, I know in the end you, you know, entered the workforce and everything, but I don't know. I just think that, uh, I think the good outweighs the bad and maybe that's not monetarily, but, uh, you know, I mean, I know it's cliche or whatever, but money's really not everything. I mean, there's millionaires that are completely depressed and like hate their life for real. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know, bro. But I'm I'm glad that you found the YouTube channel and um you know I really think that it's gonna continue to 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 build and level up. Mm. 
Well said, bro. Well said. Um, unfortunately, I got to I got to wrap it up. But uh, this was a great conversation, dude. I uh, appreciate uh, you coming on. And hopefully, if you are chasing, you know, the entrepreneurial path, uh, maybe your YouTube channel will be be coming soon. Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> it's definitely a possibility. Um, and I, I definitely would love to talk again. Um, what's it called? Uh, I appreciate you having me on, Derek. And I'm definitely interested in uh, in, in doing YouTube. Um, I've got a buddy that I'm trying to get to do um, comedy and stuff like that. And, and I'm, I'm going to be pursuing some of that as well um, myself. Uh, but yeah, man, thanks for having me on. And um, man, I, I will say before we jump off, man, make sure you do take some time um to you know enjoy the moment or whatever if it's not watching a movie if it's having dinner with your family or you know taking time to you know reward yourself or whatever for you know what i mean take some rest you know what i mean and just kind of enjoy the uh fruit of your labor or whatever it's called mm. sounds good bro all right mitch thanks again thanks everyone for watching and uh, we'll see you guys next time peace thanks Derek.